Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. Time for phase five of our deep dive into the year planning process. This is where we're going to do detailed planning. So, so far we've set up the calendar. So we have all kinds of dates on there and all of the meetings, including meeting topics and even events and activities outside of the meeting place, all set up on our calendar already. So for the detailed planning part, let's start with events and activities outside the meeting place. One of the things I do during this phase is I like to make sure anything that I can reserve or confirm is done. Sometimes you can do that like three to six months out, but other times it really has to be confirmed or reserved closer to the date in question. Or sometimes you can't reserve or confirm ahead of time at all. You just show up and buy tickets for something on the spot. So look at the events that you have coming up and start reserving or confirming whatever you can. Then also for events, I like to make a list of which events are going to require a carpool and which ones are close enough to be drop off and pick up. And also which events will we need chaperones for? I like to have a list ahead of time for both of those things because in one of the future phases coming up, we're actually going to get parents to go ahead and sign up for carpool drivers or chaperones or whatever. So the next thing I do for events, I also like to make sure that I am starting my list for budgeting purposes. And you can do all of your budgeting list on one long document or spreadsheet or a physical piece of paper, whatever you like. Or you can do them separately, like an individual list for each event, whatever, um, however you want to organize it, whatever feels the most organized to you. Just as long as you have easy access to all the info for writing out your full budget later. So to kind of deep dive on that a little bit and explain what I mean, here's what I do. And this is like touching on the budgeting phase, but we're not going to actually write a whole budget out just yet. We're just essentially planning right now. So go ahead and make a list of what expenses you think will go into that event. So like if you're camping, you're going to want to think about a food budget, the cost of entry to the park or campsite, whatever supplies you might need to buy or rent, and so on. You can also make a list of supplies that you might be able to borrow or just like essentially a packing list of things you already have. That's going to come in handy as far as the detailed planning process goes. Um, and you don't have to have like your whole menu planned for a camping trip because really that's something the girls should be doing. But if your girls have never been camping or maybe they just aren't ready for that level of planning yet, or you just really particularly want to plan the food yourself for whatever reason, then you can plan the menu at this point if you want to. But generally, I do personally think this should be planned by the girls. Right now, you can, though, come up with a rough budget. So, I mean, budgets are fake numbers anyway. You're just using it as a benchmark, more or less. So we're going to talk more about that next week. But just know that it's okay for it not to be exact. You're just going to guess. Like, 
this is how much I think is reasonable to spend on the menu, and this is how much I think is reasonable to spend on this amount of supplies. You can also use this opportunity to plan out what you're going to do at those events if that's relevant. So, like on a camping or a travel weekend, you can plan out an itinerary or a schedule of activities or whatever. And again, that's something that the girls can and probably should be doing themselves, but I am definitely not the girl-led police, so you do whatever is right for your group of girls. I would say the GSLE lover in me feels very strongly that activities need to be girl-led, but that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be girl-planned. So what does that mean? If you plan a hike, have girls lead the way. Have girls read a map. Have girls use a compass. Have girls determine what they should wear or pack along for a hike. Have girls call for everyone to drink water through the hike. So, like, we call that tea party time, and anyone can call a tea party. So volunteers can call them, too, and it's basically just to make sure that everybody's drinking enough water. And when we call them, basically what we do is we speak in, like, a ridiculous English accent, and we stick our pinkies out while we drink the water. So we're just like, tea party time, tea party time, and you stick your um, pinky finger out, and everybody drinks water. And so anybody, including girls, can call those. When you're cooking at a campout, girls can and should do the actual cooking. They should do the prep work. They should serve. They should dishwash. Um, girls can and should put up the tents, set up camp. They should also take it all down, clean it all up, and so on. So you see, there are so many ways to incorporate girl leadership other than just planning. But the planning is definitely part of girl leadership. So I would recommend letting the girls do some of the planning, too, or at least give them options and choices and, like, give them the opportunity to choose things. Now, not all your activities are going to be, like, camping or travel weekends. So, I mean, sometimes you're planning, like, a day trip to a specific place, and that's the activity, like, if you're going to a museum or something. So let's say you're going to a museum. So the detailed planning is going to be, like, is it close enough to your home base or your meeting location for drop-off and pickup, or is it going to require a carpool? Do you need chaperones to go, or do you have enough, like, adult volunteers already to cover your ratio? How much does it cost to get into the museum? How long do you plan to stay, and what time do you plan to arrive, and what time do you plan to leave? If you're going to do a carpool, where are you going to have your carpool rendezvous point, and at what time will you do pickup and drop-off from your rendezvous point? And what is your estimated departure time? So you might have an estimated or you might have a drop-off time at your rendezvous point of like 9 a.m. And your actual departure time is 9.15, 9.20, 9.25. Your anticipated arrival at the museum is 10 o'clock. You anticipate it's going to take four hours. So your departure time from the museum is going to be like 2 o'clock. Then you expect that you're going to arrive back at the carpool rendezvous point around 2.40, 2.45. So you have parent pickup at 2.45 or 3, depending on where you are and how your parents work. Do they always show up late? If so, you want a pickup time earlier. Um, if they are always on time or if your rendezvous point is like a public playground or something like that where the girls can amuse themselves, then you can set it a few, like build in a little bit of buffer time in your carpool pickup time so that if you don't arrive exactly at 2.45, for example, then parents aren't really showing up until closer to 3, so 
you build in a little bit of a buffer for yourselves so that if you run over by five, ten minutes, it's not going to make any difference at all to your parents in that situation. But I do often like to tell parents way earlier than I actually need them um, because we have people who are always on time and we have people who are always early. But we also have people who are always late, like 15, 20 minutes late. So I usually have to tell parents that I need them about 15 to 20 minutes before I actually need them just to ensure they're all going to show up by the allotted time. So you're going to want to, like, look at all those factors. Also, if all your girls go or if an average number of girls, based on whatever your normal event attendance is, come, if they all come, then how many cars approximately are you going to need? And, of course, this is somewhat going to depend on who drives, right? Some people can take two girls, three girls, four girls, five girls. It just depends on what vehicle they drive. So you can estimate two to three girls per vehicle. So, like, if you normally have eight girls come to events, then you're going to need probably about three drivers. If you normally have ten girls come to events, then you're going to need probably four drivers um, and so on. And that's not like an exact science. You might be able to get away with more or less drivers, just depending on what your actual attendance looks like when it gets closer, but you can estimate. Also, is this going to be a long enough day that you're going to need to do lunch or dinner or snacks or, like, brunch or breakfast or whatever? And if so, what is your allotted budget for that? You don't have to, like, actually pick a place and pick a menu, although you can. Um, and, in fact, sometimes I do look at places or options for that. Like, we did a day trip this past year where we went about an hour away to, a little more than an hour away, to a petting zoo-type place with, like, exotic animals. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I knew we were going to be gone long enough that we were going to need to do lunch together. So I thought, I better find out what lunch locations are along the way. Like, what's realistic for us? Where are we going to be able to go that everybody's going to be able to find something to eat that we're going to arrive around lunchtime? Like, I did actually look it up, and on that particular instance, we settled on Denny's because Denny's has a really kid-friendly kids menu, and even their adult meals are pretty reasonably priced, so <clears throat> to buy lunch for all the kids, we could do around $5 a piece, 5 to $7 a piece, and I think it was $5, so you can look at stuff like that. You don't have to pick, like, who's ordering what or get, like, that down and dirty, but just to give you a general idea of what you need to take into consideration for your budget for lunch or dinner. Like if you're going somewhere that pretty much only has fast food options, then um, that's going to make it a lower budget. If you're going a place that really only has like one restaurant choice, then you kind of need to know that ahead of time because it might be a little bit more expensive depending on where you're going and so on. Another thing you could consider is like, can you bring bag lunches or, like, sandwich stuff or whatever? Um, or do you have to go to a restaurant or prefer to go to a restaurant? Sometimes it's not about have to. Sometimes it's about fun. Our girls always have a really good time when we take them to restaurants. Like, taking them out to eat, they're always so appreciative. They have a really good time. It's crazy. Like, it's a big bill, and they're nuts, and they're loud, and they take up a whole room or whatever. Um, but they always, always have a really, really good time. So we love taking them out. Um, but it is like a huge budget hog, so you just choose what's going to work for you. 
And if you are going to do a restaurant, like I said, you're going to consider, like, are we doing a sit-down restaurant or are we just doing, like, a drive-through? So most of that information I'm going to do, like, on its own work document or its own page or whatever, and I'm just going to write it all out. It could be a spreadsheet if you're, like, a spreadsheet looker or, like, a physical page in a binder if you're technology public, um, whatever. And basically it's just going to be, like, a document that's, like, X event to, you know, day trip to so-and-so museum, like, and that whole page is just information about that. And you can section it off however you want, or you can write it out like an itinerary or whatever works for you. But you're going to put all those kind of notes in one place. And then either at the bottom of that page or completely on its own page or whatever, that's where you're going to track your actual potential expenses. So a lot of times I will start that list on the same Word document. So it'll be like all my notes. And then the very bottom section is what I anticipate things costing. But then I have like more of a master list where I put all the events together, their total cost there. So it's broken down a lot more on my individual sheet. And then when I get into the budgeting phase, which we're going to talk more about next week, that's when I start compiling everything in more of a summary situation. But you can organize that however you need to organize it, that it's going to feel good to you. Okay, so you're going to do those steps for literally all the events that you have on your calendar for next year. So in a previous session, we laid out events for your entire year. And I mean, some of you are going to do one event a year or two events a year. So it's going to be less planning. But for my troop, we do about two events a month is what we shoot for outside of the meeting place. So we have, you know, 15 to 20 events in a year that we're doing this level of detailed planning. And it's just going to save us time later. That's the whole idea. So come November, when I'm actually crazy busy because X, Y, and Z came up at work, and this is what's going on with my family and all this. And now, oh crap, I also have to do this Girl Scout event. And, you know, it just doesn't matter. It's fine. Like, everything, not everything is planned, but it's primarily you have all the primary stuff planned so you only have to go back in and fill in a few more details leading up to it hopefully that's the goal okay so now let's talk meeting plans because at this point you would have all of your events scheduled as many as possible confirmed all the details you can planned and laid out and ready for yourself for later and even for meetings, you have all your meeting dates and topics already picked out by this point. So now we're going to go back in and we're going to detailed plan all of your meetings. <laughs> so we're actually going to write out the entire meeting itinerary. If you've ever looked at like the volunteer toolkit, you're going to essentially be creating something like that for yourself. Now, I actually, on the volunteer toolkit, if you've ever used that, they actually give you scripts even of what to say and how to lead from one activity to the next. I don't like literally write scripts for myself. That's taking a little far, but I do write out activities and stuff. And if you need ideas for activities, the volunteer toolkit is a place to look. I don't typically use the volunteer toolkit the way it's intended, but you totally can because that would actually save you. This whole portion that we're about to do, you can do that entire thing in the volunteer toolkit. You go in to your council website. There should be a little link that says My GS up in the upper right corner. You're going to use the same login that you use to register for Girl Scouts. 
And if you've never used the volunteer toolkit before and you're a newer leader, then you might not necessarily remember what your login is. So, and actually, even if you're not a new leader, you might not remember what your login is. So you might have to reset it or whatever in order to get in. That's totally normal, don't worry. <laughs> and then once you get in, you're gonna be able to enter all your meeting dates, your meeting location even, and you pick what badges you wanna work on and it will populate it for you. Now, the last time I logged in and really tried this, it was not super multi-level troop friendly. You still could do it. You just have to switch back and forth from level to level, I think. Um, I believe that's how it was set up, but I don't actually know. I probably should have checked before recording this, but the truth is I don't use it. So that's the thing. I'm not necessarily recommending you use it. I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. If it works for you, great. That is a resource that Girl Scouts built out for exactly this purpose to have meeting plans already laid out. Okay. So the way I do it, um, to reiterate in the last phase, you put a topic down for each meeting and that was probably tied to some kind of activity idea you already had when you were doing your brainstorming phase, which was a couple of phases ago. But before, when you came up with all those ideas and everything like that, you didn't actually have to worry about the details or the actual, like how to make those ideas a reality. So that's what we're gonna do now. So here's what I put in my meeting plans. I start out with writing in a check-in and a check-out. So not every troop does this, but my troop tries to make it a priority. Check-in and check-out is an opportunity for every girl's voice to be heard and for every girl to be made a priority. Basically, we give them a little prompt, which can be anything, but it's usually something super simple. Um, sometimes it's related to the meeting topic and sometimes it's totally random, like what's your favorite color or if you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be? And so on and so forth. And for us, checkout is usually something that wraps everything up, like what's something you learned today that you didn't know before or what was your favorite part of this meeting or how can you use what you learned today at home or at school or whatever. It doesn't have to be related. Your checkout could also be like, what are you doing this weekend? Or like if spring break goes coming up or something, what are you doing over spring break or, you know, whatever. Um, and then you just go one by one and every girl gets a chance to share. If girls don't want to share, they can pass, which girls in our troop have done on occasion. But for the most part, they usually do answer. Some girls are super talkative and you kind of have to move it along. <laughs> But some girls, most of the time, the girls are pretty good at moving it along themselves. And part of it depends on what you prompt them with. So you kind of have to have a good, like, specific question <laughs> to move through it. In our troop, a lot of times we have time for check-in, but we don't necessarily have time for check-out. So when I say we try to make it a priority, I mean we do try. So we... <laughs> make a very strong effort to do at least one or the other every single time. And in an ideal world, we would do both every single time. <clears throat> Another thing that we try to do in my troop as often as we can is journaling. Now, I thought that this was a pretty universal Girl Scout thing. I know I did it in Girl Scouts when I was a kid all the way across the country in a totally different council. My council really emphasizes um, journaling with adult training too and girl program. So not all troops in my council do it for sure and you don't have to, but I really like journaling, especially as the girls get a little bit older. 
Um, when they're younger, it's a little harder because they don't know how to spell and it's kind of a labor to write a journal entry when they're young. Um, and that's okay. When, when our girls were younger, we did it a little less frequently and we did more like draw a picture of this or like write this sentence about blah, blah. Um, or write a sentence about blah, blah. You get my point. And um, so we did it more simple things when they were younger. Now that they're older, though, we give them like a prompt and give them time to write. And usually the prompt is going to be related to what we're doing, but it might not be specifically related to the badge. It might be related to the overall message that we're trying to drive home. And we give them a few minutes. This is a really good like as girls are coming in activity. So we try to give them a few minutes to write on this topic. We also give girls the choice. They can write on the topic or they can write about something that's going on in their lives. They just feel like they need to write it out. Or similarly, they can write something to us and we'll respond. So really, we try to respond to any journal entry. But if they specifically choose to write us a letter, we make a point of writing them a letter back. And if they just answered the prompt, sometimes we just kind of respond, sort of teachery in that way. Um, and the reason why we respond to all of them is because we want to establish a sense of trust and reliability that if they do choose to open up to us about something, that they know we're going to be responsive back. And some girls are really going to test you on this. They're going to be like, hey, write me back. And that's all they write. And so, or something silly or whatever. Um, like we had one girl who wrote us, the first letter she wrote to us was basically like, I asked for seconds of snack and you wouldn't give them to me. Why wouldn't you give me more hot Cheetos? I love hot Cheetos, blah, blah. You know, it was like a whole like love letter about Cheetos and how we wouldn't let her have seconds. And it was very facetious. Like that actually sounds kind of bratty, but when I'm saying it out loud, but she isn't like a brat actually. She's a very funny, facetious, performing kind of kid. So it was really very um, facetious, very joking. And um, so, but it was, you know, we wrote back and those kinds of things, girls are testing their boundaries. They want to know that you're actually going to write back. They want to know that you see them, you hear them, that they can trust you. And over time, as you establish a level of trust and reliability, the girls are more likely to open up to you about other things. And so through journaling, we've had girls open up to us about stuff going on at home, stuff going on with friends, their families, stuff going on at school, um, stuff going on with body image issues. And it's really brought us a lot closer to the girls, um, to many of the girls, because they choose to open up to us in their journals. And um, yeah, so we learn a lot more about them um, and about what's going on with them. So anyways, so we also put a journal prompt in there. In an ideal world, we would journal in my troop every single meeting. That is completely unrealistic. Maybe shoot for like every two meeting, like every two or three meetings, maybe we get a journal prompt in. Um, it's not a perfected method by any stretch of the imagination. And I do wish that we could do it more. I wish we could be consistent with it. It's just that we already meet for an hour and a half. I think two hours would be too long for our group. Um, so unfortunately, an hour and a half we can fill very easily with activities. So um, but then journals are a good thing. If you do journaling with your troop, journals are a good thing to have on hand at any time because that way 
girls, you always have it. So if you ever have extra time, if a girl finishes an activity early, or if your whole troop finishes activities early, or if someone doesn't show or something doesn't work out, like we had a guest come and lead a meeting recently that we had communicated ahead of time about the start and end time. I thought they were going to come in and do the whole meeting for us. And they actually were only there for about 25 minutes of our hour and a half meeting. So we did not plan a meeting because we thought it was being run by someone else. So then we had to keep them busy and engaged for an extra hour, (laughs) which especially as the girls get older, they just like hanging out with each other. They like talking. They like free time. They like doing skits. They like doing free play. Um, They like doing, our girls love, love, love charades. It started out, they loved charades more than skits. Now it's kind of even. And I think maybe leaning toward the skit direction a little bit more. Um, But charades was like the first way that we eased into that. Um, So anyway, so journals really help with situations like that because you just never know when you're going to need to give a girl something to do that's going to keep her engaged and yeah so having journals and journal prompts kind of on hand is helpful back to planning the meeting right so then i go ahead and break down minute by minute what we're going to do at each meeting so you know how long your meeting is and you know what you want to accomplish overall so now you just like break it down like each activity kind of again like the volunteer toolkit if you've used it how they set it up and you might need to go back and look things up for this or go back to pinterest or wherever you were looking before when you were brainstorming but you generally probably already had an idea of what you wanted to do so you kind of just need to write it out you're probably going to need to revisit what the requirements are for the badge that you're trying to earn Or if it's just a generic patch, you might be Googling or Pinteresting um, activity ideas that are related to that. Like maybe you decided we're going to do duct tape fun and maybe on your um, like fun with duct tape and maybe on your brainstorming sheet, you were like, oh, maybe they could make like purses and jewelry. I don't really know how to do that, but that would be fun. Girls would like that. I've heard about other girls, similar age group doing it. Maybe you remember doing that as a kid, whatever. So you're like, I know this will work, but I don't really know how to do it. I'll figure that out later. So now is later. So you're going to then look up what are easy crafts for this age group to do with duct tape. How do you make a duct tape purse? And maybe you look at a couple of different sources and maybe you do some copying and pasting. Maybe you write your own thing. Maybe you just put a link in your document, however you want to do it. That's what you're going to do. And then how long each thing takes. And so hopefully wherever you're looking it up, it's going to give you an idea of how long the activity takes. Sometimes you need to guess based on what you're reading and what you know about your girls. Do they do things really quickly and then they're like Speedy Gonzalez and they're like, okay, now I'm done. Or do they really draw things out and everything takes 10 times longer with your group than you thought it was going to? You know your group of girls best. So, yeah. A lot of times when you guess, you're going to guess wrong. You're either going to guess and it's going to take way longer than you think, or you're going to guess and it's going to go way faster than you think. And the more that you practice doing this, if you're like a newer leader especially, the more that you practice doing this, the more familiar you're going to get with the idea of like how much time to allot for each thing. Sometimes, most of the time, I'll plan what I think will take up a whole meeting, and then I put an extra activity or two if time allows. That way, if things go super fast, then we have those activities to fill up the time that are related, 
And if we don't need them, it's fine. We're not missing anything for the badge. Sometimes when you go to write out the actual meeting plan, you suddenly discover that what you thought was going to be one meeting is actually going to take way too much time and it needs to be split up into two. So then you just are going to have to adjust if you want to do those back-to-back -back meetings. Are you going to like push all your meetings back one? Are you going to eliminate the meeting plan that you had, the idea you had for next week? And so on. So you just kind of might need to adjust some things as you go, and that's okay. So you're going to write out your whole schedule. Similarly, you're also going to be putting together a supply list. So are you going to need markers, poster board, ingredients for a science experiment? And are they things that you already have or are you going to need to buy or borrow them? So similar to like what I said about the camping trip, you're going to put things that you need to buy, things that you can borrow, things that you already have, and essentially make like a packing list for your own meeting. And if you're really clever, <laughs> then one of the things you can do as part of the detailed planning, and this is totally as time and money and space, storage space allows, but in an ideal world, the my dream of what I can get down to as far as detailed planning goes is to then gather the supplies that you do already have, try to do as many meetings with supplies you already have as possible, label little bins, fill them with the supplies and then you're going to label the bin with what's inside them and what's inside that bin and what the date is and topic is of what you're going to use it for and then literally the day of the event you're just going to the day of the meeting you're just going to grab the corresponding bin that already has all your supplies in it and your meeting plan that you already wrote out and you just have to show up to the meeting how freaking nice would that be so that's the dream but where this doesn't exactly work for me is there's some things that you need at several meetings, like markers. That's something that we tend to need throughout the year. Um, and so I'm not going to buy seven sets of markers so that I can put a set of markers in each meeting bin. So then I just have a marker bin, but then I have to remember to grab the marker bin. So that gets like a little stickier. That's just not as ideal as I want it to be at this point. But that's my dream. That's my goal for like how prepared I want to be um, for detailed planning ahead of time. Okay, so that kind of leads into the discussion about our budget lists again. So you're making a list of your expected expenses for that meeting. And again, in an ideal world, you would have most of these things up front, maybe the bin that you're collecting these in, in my dream Girl Scout life. Um, would then also have like something that's like bright yellow or bright pink or bright red that's like, I still need these that's labeled on there. So you can go collect the supplies you still need. Um, or maybe you go out and go ahead and buy them already and stock them. Um, but if you're not buying supplies just yet, because maybe you're doing this six, seven, eight, ten months in advance, and so you're not necessarily buying those supplies just yet, so you're just making a list um, of what you need to buy, in which case the prices aren't necessarily going to be exact. And that's totally fine. Just estimate. And like to give you an idea, we usually kind of end up predicting that it's going to cost us somewhere between $10 and $20 per meeting. Now, some meetings are going to cost us nothing and some meetings are going to cost us $60, right? So it kind of balances out, but we try to estimate for our troop, a reasonable budget is about 10 to $20 per meeting. And if we just 
plan on $20 per meeting, then that's going to give us a really good start for our budgeting. But we'll talk more about that next week. Just get an, a rough idea of what you think is reasonable based on the activities that you have planned. And the longer you're a troop leader, hopefully the less your meetings are going to cost because hopefully you're accruing supplies that you can reuse. So hopefully you're not buying crayons and markers and glue and scissors every single year. Hopefully you buy them once and then they last several years. <laughs> the last thing that I usually put down on my meeting plan is some kind of plan of attack for snack. Attack for snack, snack attack. So some meetings we do snack from the troop or like from the leaders if it's a party or a special occasion or whatever. Um, but the rest of the time, we actually try to get the families to rotate bringing snack. So the next thing we do is we start a sign-up list and mark down the meetings that are going to require parents sign up for snack. So I'm going to know which ones, you know, I just did all the meeting plans or I'm working on all the meeting plans. So I know this meeting is a party, so we're not going to have parents bring food to the party. We're going to go ahead and supply cupcakes or whatever, you know, sparkling cider or whatever things. So I know I'm, as a troop leader, I know that the troop leaders are going to handle that meeting. That one doesn't need to go on the sign-up list. Or it's going to go on the sign-up list, but I'm going to indicate, like, we do not need snack this night. There's also some meetings that we go off-site for that meeting. So, like, this year, for example, we had a couple meetings where we went to the library. We did not have snack at the library. We had a couple meetings where, well, we had one meeting <laughs> where we toured a police station. We did not do snack that night. So the nights that we're going somewhere off-site, we probably aren't going to be doing snack. So we go ahead and mark that, that down on our list as like no snack needed as well. And then all the rest of the meeting dates are going to be available for snack sign up for parents, which is going to be in a future phase. Okay, so... What if you have a mixed level troop? Because everything I just said is really primarily going to apply to a single level troop. So what do you do if you have a mixed level troop? And the answer is you pretty much do the exact same thing, except you're going to do this for every single level for every single meeting. So, you know, for our, our troop right now, we have snack together. Um, so we don't have to have snack sign up separately for every single girl, but... Um, like the activities are going to be divided by level. <clears throat> so you'll just have to make a minute by minute schedule for however many levels you have. <laughs> sometimes for us, we do things all together as a big group and sometimes we do things as individual levels and sometimes we do a mix of like a few levels at a time. So maybe the younger girls are doing this and the older girls are doing that. So we'll have like daisies and brownies in one place and then juniors and cadets in another. Right now, my troop only has brownies and juniors, but next year we're gonna have daisies, brownies, juniors, and cadets. Okay, so you're gonna do that for every single meeting. And at that point, you are going to have detailed plans for your whole entire year. So we're basically almost done my entire year planning strategy at this point. The only things left really are like the detailed budget, which is the part that's gonna set you up for easy breezy troop financial paperwork at the end of the year. That's some people's least favorite part of being a leader is trying to do your financials at the end of the year. But I'm gonna give you, if you do things the way that I do them truly, it's like foolproof, it's so easy. 
I mentioned this on a past podcast, but seriously, like, I think our end of year true financials literally took me maybe 10 minutes last year. Maybe not even, to be honest. I always feel like it should be harder than it is because people complain about it so much and they take so long to get it done. So I went back and maybe hung out on it longer than I needed to just to triple check everything and be like, is this really all I need to do? Okay, cool. So anyways, I'm going to tell you all about that um, in the next phase. And then after that, it's just communications with parents and families, which is going to help fill in those sign-up sheets that we made. Um, and also to try to ensure the best possible attendance and success getting RSVPs. And it's also definitely going to help with retention. So that's a wrap on phase five. If you haven't listened to the other phases, or if you're just getting around to starting your own plans for next year, then go ahead and go back and re-listen to parts one through four. Now, I think I mentioned this idea before on a previous episode, but I've been thinking about actually doing episodes over the summer with some actual examples of detailed meeting plans that I've either used or am planning to use next year. So I would basically be covering a blend of different levels and badges or not badge related, and of course, like multi versus single level ideas, whatever. Let me know if this would be helpful to you or if you feel like it's redundant. Like if you get it, this was all you really needed and you're good, you've heard enough about your planning, you're over it, then let me know. Or if you want more of this, if you think this would be helpful for me to keep going and to get deeper and deeper and to give you literal examples of meeting plans you could do with your girls, no matter what level you are or if you have multiple levels or whatever, let me know. Don't forget to hit subscribe. I really do have more interviews coming up. I know it's been a while, but I have been talking to a couple people about doing interviews. And of course, I have more Girl Scout phraseology and just the last couple episodes of this series of year planning. And of course, I have a lot more GSRI, like the research-based episodes and even more like mini series ideas. So yeah, a lot more content coming your way. And if you like what you hear, leave me a review. I love hearing what is actually helpful to everyone and seeing the feedback about what you liked. And you know, basically that you're a real person out there listening and not just like a number on the download statistics. So leave me a review, let me know what you think, reach out and talk to me. I'm also a real person. So I love making that human connection. All right, I'll talk to you soon. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.